What's up, Broncos country? What's up, Broncos country? This is Phil Lindsay. Justin Simmons here. This is Alexander Johnson. Hey, I'm Vaughn Miller, and you're listening to the Nutra Zone. Hello, and thank you for joining us here on the Neutral Zone. I am Phil Milani, alongside my trusty sidekick, my partner in crime. Really, the best way to describe this person is my everything, and that is Eric Delala. <laughs> a nice little pronunciation, Phil. I had yeah. a joke. I had a joke ready to go, and you, uh, you got me it. a little bit. You Let's hear me it. Up. I was going to say I would take you with the fifth overall pick any day. Oh, thank you, Eric. Yes. Uh, how are you feeling here? You've had a day of recovery, one day of recovery on Sunday, and then uh, now you're on Monday here. How are you feeling? Yes, the uh, game in today's podcast separated by one day. Um, I'm, fe- I'm feeling okay. You know, I think it was a tough performance. I don't think it was, uh, especially in the second half, got away from him. Well, not something you're proud of, I don't think, but I think you can explain it away a little bit just between the the Bills being really good and uh, the injuries on the back end of the defense. And I'm not going to make it more than what it was, but clearly there is a gap between teams that are fighting for a Super Bowl berth and where the Broncos are and shouldn't surprise anybody. Yes. I think the one thing uh, Broncos fans are probably hoping for was, hey, they had played the Chiefs really close a couple of weeks ago. At the beginning of the season, they played the Steelers pretty tough. I think they were just hoping for a competitive game, which it was at halftime. Uh, the offense was moving well, uh, but then that third quarter, it just, yeah. see you later. <laughs> yeah, it got out of hand there. Yeah. So anyway, on this edition of the Neutral Zone, we got a lot of cool topics to talk about, Eric, and I mean cool. Okay. Whoa. Uh, what do you want to see during these final two games? Just two games to go. The Broncos play the Chargers this week, and then the Raiders. What are you hoping to see see from this team here to close out the 2020 season? We'll hear what uh, Vic Fangio had to say today. Then uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Josh Allen. Hey, is he in Mahomes category here? Is he at that level of play right now? Uh, or is that a little bit too early for, for Josh Allen? We'll dive into that. And then Eric, should Von Miller play these final two games? Uh, you know, uh, is that something you want to see? You know, Von has been hanging out around the practice fields. He's just been kind of, you know, saying hello to the guys. He's been hanging out with the edge rushers during the individual period. You could tell every week he's wearing slightly more athletic clothing. Like the first time he went out there, it was just like maybe like jeans and, you know, like a shirt. Then it was like gym shorts. And then it looked like maybe his ankles were taped up the other day. And I was like, whoa, are we getting close here? So some days it's just been like a spandex shirt and spandex shorts. Yeah. And it's Why like do you he think forgot. he wears that? I don't know. Would you ever wear, leave the house wearing just spandex? I think Vaughn is much more comfortable in his body than I am. Yeah. yeah that, that's definitely true. Um, and then Eric, I thought it'd be fun to end the podcast by talking about the draft process here. Of course, uh, the New York Jets won a football game yesterday. Surprised the whole league. They, they beat did? the yeah, they beat the LA Rams, and now the Jaguars are in position to take that number one pick. And of course, the prize that comes with that is Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think everybody it's a foregone conclusion. Trevor Lawrence is going to be the first player taken. So uh, everybody clamoring for that number one pick this year, should the NFL 
adopt a lottery system similar to the NBA. Interesting. And then, of course, we'll get into uh, our emailers, our commenters, our voicemailers. You know, we got a lot. Eric, I don't know on the YouTube uh, from our last show, uh, a lot of Buffalo Bills fans mm. invaded the comments. Welcome. welcome. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah. We're going to talk about your team today. <laughs> um, a lot of them obviously uh, had not uh, seen the show before. You know, uh, some not so nice comments. Uh, one person said that beginning was so awkward. LMAO. That's not very nice. That's no. not very nice. Um, somebody else said, Phil, are you trying to be boring? Tried this show twice. Snoozeville. That sounds like I left that. <laughs> that one, uh, not very, uh, not very nice. I don't think. Uh, somebody said uh, this one. I don't think you left. Uh, Eric said uh, this was a terrible podcast. Dude on the left. That's you, Eric. Uh, knew the answer to how many games Drew Lock had played, but still gave a snarky remark. That's kind of that's kind of the vibe that we're going for, Phil. Is we're snarky, sm- smug and snarky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So and if then you don't like it, get out. Exactly. Uh, one commenter, Eric Ramos, obviously a big fan because he says, ha ha, love the bickering Phil and Eric. Great show and go Broncos. Got to be happy about that. Positive. It's in the right direction. <laughs> uh, if you want to be a part of the show, just like Eric Ramos, leave a comment on the YouTube page or you can hit us up on Twitter at Eric Delala with an A, at Phil Milani with a PH non-traditional spellings there, Eric. Um, Not sure what our parents were thinking. Yeah, kind of odd. Different parents, to be clear. (laughs) Yes, we're not brothers. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Exactly. Uh, Nice, good detail there. Um, Or you can also uh, call in 707-NEUTRAL. You can leave a voicemail. We'll play that on the air. Uh, We've got some regulars coming up today. And then also a new one, Eric. uh, The Lone Ranger left a voicemail. Um, wow. I don't know if there's any relation to Broncos Batman there, but we'll have to determine. We'll play that a little bit later. But the Lone Ranger did call in, weighed in on the Broncos. Okay. So that's pretty nice. Thank you. Yes. Or, Eric, there's a way to leave an email. That's right. Neutralzoneshow at gmail.com. If you don't want to call into 707 neutral, you just do that. Yeah. Maybe like the best, best of both worlds. If after a game, like you can't really talk because you're so upset, you're just emotionally, I can't yeah. speak. Just type it. We'll read it. It's okay. There's there's right. multiple ways to do this. Sometimes Ben Swanson, he'll even kind of do a drawing of how he's feeling, attach it to the email, send it in. Or he'll uh, send it via the postal service. Right. He'll, yeah, we, he'll just got his, we just got his week 11 thoughts, yes. I think, this week. Yeah. Hard to react when it's three weeks later, but especially during the holiday season, those things they're that, backed up. Yeah, they're backed up. They're backed yeah. up, Eric. So put an extra stamp on it; it'll get here. <laughs> yes, overnight it. You, if you want to be a part of the podcast. <laughs> yes. uh, and with that, Eric, let's uh, dive into our first topic here. What would you personally like to see from the Broncos in these final two games? Yeah, I've got two things. One for each side of the ball, Phil. Um, offensively. Jerry Judy and Drew Locke have got to figure it out. They've got to get on the same page. Um, I know you, you like to protect Jerry. He's your sweet wide receiver that the team took 
the 15th overall pick. He's had some issues with drops here. Drew's had some issues getting him the ball when he's been open. They've got to figure out that connection and the catch rate has got to go up because uh, I think another five targets this game with one reception, um, they have not connected. Judy really hasn't had a game this year where, you know, it's been five catches on seven targets. It's just that rate is not good enough. And while it might not matter here in the short term, long term, when Cortland Sutton comes back and you're trying to build this offense, you have to be on the same page with Jerry Judy. He has to be one of your major weapons. And right now it looks like Drew's the guy that they're going to go forward with and try to see if he can be the long-term answer. And so that means they've got to figure things out defensively, Phil Bradley Chubb. I'd love to see him get to double digit sacks from seven and a half. I think that, you know, there's more to life than sacks. There's pressures, there's QB knockdowns, there's all sorts of stuff, but I do think that there's value in getting to that double digit number and kind of being looked at among the elite players. And I think that would prove something to Bradley. It would show to the Broncos that depending on what you decide to do with Vaughn this off season, you can trust Bradley to be your number one guy. Um, I just want to see, you know, maybe a forced fumble, some explosiveness. I want to see him continue this season because he did kind of uh, catch a little bit of a spark at times this year, but uh, has faded a little bit of late. And so we'd just like to see him get going. And so those are, if those two things happen, Phil, I know Vic Fangio wants wins, but regardless of that, to me, those would be uh, successful things to see here. Yeah, uh, I agree with you on the Judy. I mean, uh, I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, the the third down play where he hit him in the hands and there were, there were three. hit him in the face. It hit him in the face. Um, there were three Bills players around him, but that's just a catch you've got to make. And in that situation, you got to be—you can't have those Gator arms. You got to—it's a big play. It's early in the game. You got to make that catch. And you know, I don't blame Drew necessarily because when he doesn't make a play like that, the next time you're in a, a situation, maybe you think twice before throwing it his direction. You know, Drew put that mo- ball right on the money. Was he going to get hit? Yes. But he needs to make that catch. And, you know, sometimes it looks like Jerry is not all in or something. I'm not sure what there, – maybe there's just like some mental lapses sometimes where he's just like – like when he ran, uh, tr- caught that two-point conversion, but he was out of bounds. Like it wasn't even close. You know, there's just times where he doesn't seem like he's all in on what's happening here. And his numbers haven't been where he wants them to be in terms of targets, catches, yards, touchdowns. Uh, I mean, all of those aren't where I think that we were hoping for it to be and also definitely him. So uh, I do I do want to see Jared Judy come out there, make some hustle plays, block well, make it. You know, he did break up a, a play that was going to be an interception. Uh, on that little out route on third down on the first drive. That was definitely an interception, but he was able to, uh, you know, get enough there uh, to uh, break that up. So um, I, I want to see more plays like that where he's, you know, just a football player, not just a wide receiver who's there to make big catches and glamorous plays. I want to see him play football, you know. Uh, you know, I, I was thinking about him and Emmanuel Sanders. You know, they worked out together this preseason. One of the things that Emmanuel Sanders always did was he made big plays and then he got hit, but he held on to the ball and he was tough. Man, that that guy wasn't afraid to get his nose dirty. That's something I want to see a little bit from Judy. 
Yeah, and I think because Emmanuel was not shy to make his feelings known, but I think because you knew he was willing to go do that, you kind of listened to it a little bit. You know, he had he had earned that right to some degree. And I think of another play of Judy's um, on Saturday. Drew looked to his left. He had to make a quick throw because of the pressure. It was an outbreaking route. And Judy just kind of threw his hands up like he didn't either didn't expect the ball to be thrown there or it wasn't quite the perfect pass. And it looked to me like Judy was a little slow coming out of the route and that if he had kind of run it at 100 percent, maybe he makes that catch. If he whips his head around a little bit quicker. And I think Justin Simmons said it well at the end of the game. It wasn't about Judy necessarily. It was more about the whole team. But he, he said it's not a lack of effort. It's about a lack of focus or knowing when to be dialed in and kind of having some situational awareness. I think that is important because it's, you know, we've seen Jerry's effort at times when Locke got hit hard against the Panthers, Judy ran the, he saved a touchdown initially. Um, So he's playing with effort, but I do think being locked in on every play, being ready for certain situations, if it's not a perfect pass, if it's not a, a perfect play, still making it work. Those are things that you probably like to see a little bit better from him. Eric, I thought those comments from Justin Simmons were particularly interesting at the end of that Bills game because Vic Fangio had got up and met the press and said that I was disappointed by what happened there in the second half, particularly that last touchdown run from the Bills. He said, well, that was just disappointing. And then Justin Simmons came up there and said, well, it wasn't a lack of effort. From what I saw, it was a lack of effort. Those guys are more than capable of making a stop there. At that point in the game, it was cold. It was windy. The game was over. You just didn't want to be out on that field. And on that last touchdown, you saw what happened there. And in my personal opinion, earlier in the game, when Drew Locke fumbled and got strip sacked from behind, the offense did not rally to the ball to try and make a tackle on that play. You know, you need all the guys on the, on the field to rally to the guy. Everybody just thought the other guy was going to make the tackle. And he probably danced around for like 15 seconds and walked into the end zone. To me, those things aren't a matter of skill level or ability. That is just pure want to. And I will say it's a lot easier to have that want to and that drive when you're 10 and three, you're about to win the AFC East and you're headed into the playoffs and you're energized. It's a lot easier to have that effort. But that's one of the things I want to see these last two games is who wants to be here in Denver? Who wants to, to, you know, go out there and make an impression? Because I know that John Elway's watching. I know the coaches are watching who wants to, to go out there. Hey, the games don't mean anything necessarily in terms of the standings, but Hey, finishing with a couple of wins, heading into the off season with some momentum. That's what I want to see. Yeah, no, I think that, that uh, strip sack against the, uh, the bills, it was the opposite of the Jerry Judy play against the Panthers. There were a bunch of guys that, you know, were they just standing there? No, but it was kind of some like half-hearted attempts to to latch on or grab a Jersey. And there was kind of the assumption somebody's going to bring him down and it didn't happen. You know, Drew actually was probably the closest to getting him and had some real effort there. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the defense after the game, Josie and Justin both said guys have to worry about doing their own jobs instead of doing other people's jobs, which I think some of that comes from trying to make up for 
the the back end where you're just really thin at cornerback right now and don't have the caliber of guy that you did early in the season. Um, but I mean, it's clear that there's there's frustration. We saw it with Shelby Harris and Bradley Chubb on the sideline there. And so, yeah, you're right. Who who was willing to keep fighting and ignore that you're five and nine and try to get to seven and nine here, get a couple division wins, uh, improve over the final two weeks and build something because that those are the guys you want to keep around. I do agree with you with Bradley Chubb. Uh, it would be nice to see him get back on that role that he was on for a little bit of, there in the middle of the season. Uh, like sometimes when you are an edge rusher and you're not getting to the quarterback, it's hard to have a major impact on the game. You know, like uh, you just like watch that game and you're like, well, what did Bradley Chubb do in that game that directly impacted the outcome? You know, and sometimes there's games that are like that, of course. And I'm not saying that he's not out there making plays, you know, like he's doing a lot. It's just that when you summarize the whole game, you're like, you just didn't have a major impact on the final score. You know, when you're not getting to the quarterback, you're not creating turnovers, you're not creating, you know, those game changing plays. When you don't do that as an edge rusher, it's hard to, it's hard to be like, wow, you had a really great game. Yeah, and we saw that at times last year with Vaughn, when Vaughn would have games where he had one tackle, and you were kind of like, you need to be changing the games, and it is difficult to do when you're trailing. I understand that, that it's not as easy. Um, I will say, in Bradley's defense a little bit, the defense in general didn't do a whole lot. I think I saw somewhere that this was either the third or fourth most yards ever allowed by a Vic Fangio defense. Um the Bills scored on almost every single drive. There were only two drives they didn't score. And one of those was because they went for it on fourth down inside the Broncos five yard line to go up four scores. And we're not really, you know, they could have easily just kicked a field goal there. So that was not, wouldn't hang your hat on that one necessarily. Um, so it was just a poor defensive performance overall. And then I will say with Bradley, there have been some times here in the last few weeks where Demarcus Walker gets a sack, Draymond Jones gets a sack. And it's because of the pressure that Bradley created. You know, Bradley forces the quarterback to step up into somebody else and they end up getting that sack number. And that's why you can't just look at sack totals. But yeah, he didn't have a big impact. Obviously, you look at a guy like Josh Allen, he was clearly, I know you're big on the Allen versus Chubb. And we've talked about would the Broncos have had patience with Josh Allen that they needed to. Regardless of all that, you know, that's we've had that discussion, but Josh Allen clearly showed why he's such a good player and, and he was the better player on Saturday. Yeah. And there's obviously a complimentary type of thing going on where there's a lot of injuries in the secondary when those guys aren't holding up for a long time, it's harder to get the quarterback. Obviously Josh Allen too can scramble around and that keeps you, you have to be a little more honest when you're a pass rusher, when the quarterback can run out like that. So definitely a lot of things going on, but the bottom line is not, it, he didn't do anything that made an, an impact on a game where you're like, wow, that play really changed this or, or that, you know, and uh, I know that's got to be frustrating for him. 
I mean, I know that he puts that, he's got great expectations for himself. And when he doesn't have the games that he wants to, I know that that's frustrating for him. So it's not necessarily a knock on him. I'm just saying it, that would be something nice to see here to finish the final two games up to see him get back to that. You know, uh, he shared some very personal details earlier this year where he said, man, I, I didn't know if I could play. I thought maybe that was going to do it for my career, you know, that he was going to hang it up nice to see him be able to come back and uh, I hope that he stays healthy these last two games finishes all the games you know that would be quite the accomplishment coming off an ACL and uh, you know the as far as the interaction that he had with Shelby Harris on the sideline I I don't necessarily mind that too much because it's good to see that guys have some fire there I don't think you want that to like boil over to the point that it did but I think that it's nice to see that those guys have some passion and that they care about this a lot. And, you know, I know that, I know that Bradley Chubb, I would say is probably the biggest leader on that defense. So if something happened where he was upset about it, he's going to speak up. That's sort of his role on that defense. And I, I, I don't have a problem with that. So uh, Eric, here's what Vic Fangio had to say on Monday for what he wants to see the final two games. I just want to see winning football. That's all we're, we're here to do is we all have to play good enough to win football games, you know, and that's all three phases. That's all 11 guys that are out there at any given time. And we've proven when we play well enough and coach well enough that we can do that. We just need to see it more often from everybody. Eric, he just wants to see some wins out there on the field. A little bit of coach speak, I think there from uh, uh, Vic Fangio on Monday, but wins are ultimately what the team is out there to get. So uh, I understand him saying that hard to win though, when the opposing quarterback played like Josh Allen did on Saturday, Eric, did his play surprise you a little bit? Um, yeah, maybe just because he didn't make mistakes. Um, I expected some of the big playability. Um, I thought they would be able to get to him a little bit. You know, we've kind of see, we had seen the stats about what he did when not pressured, but the Broncos pressured him a lot. It still didn't work. Um, so that that to me was surprising. He was a little bit better than advertised. Um, I think when you get him in those third and long situations, it's trickier than some quarterbacks because he does have that ability to take off and run. And you know, Drew showed that a little bit too. But um, it's clear that when you have a guy that's a dual threat in that way and then can throw it as well as Josh does, it's going to be difficult to stop. Uh, Josh Allen's final stat line here, 28 of 40, 359 yards passing, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. And then on the ground, uh, a lot of uh, damage here too. Three carries, 33 yards, and two touchdowns there as well. Uh, Eric, he blew me away personally. I mean, I was really surprised by the level of play that he was able to uh, uh, play at. I mean, uh, it was just crazy. I thought that he didn't do anything that was like gimmicky. He didn't do anything that was like, you know, sometimes when you play the Chiefs, they've got all this motion in the backfield. They have some trickery, you know, where they try to catch the defense off guard a little bit they just showed up and really took it to this Broncos defense. And look, uh, the, the Broncos defense is just a shell of what it typically is. You know, uh, no Jarrell Casey, no Von Miller, uh, no AJ Boye, no Bryce Callahan. I mean, the, the number, it just, had, you know, the same Bassey. It just, you know, the injuries mounted on that side of the ball. So that definitely had something to do with it. But just overall, his composure, the way that he just had his, a feel for the game where, 
I mean, it was first and goal from the 30-yard line, Eric, and they scored a touchdown. I mean, uh, I, those types of things, I thought his command of, you know, what was going on was just outstanding. Yeah, I mean, there were two situations there where it was either first and 10 from the thir- first and goal from the 30 or I think the 25 later in the game, and they ended up getting points on both of them. That's, that takes special quarterback play. And, the, yep. you know, the throw that he uh, fit in between Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson on the, I believe, the first touchdown from that situation, just really impressive. It was a rocket. Justin kind of had a, the beat on it and still couldn't get there in time. Um, just he played really well. Yeah. Uh, it just got me thinking, though, a little bit, Eric. Where uh, would you rank Josh Allen right now in terms of the super elite quarterbacks in this in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, he's playing as well as anybody. I don't know if that means I would still take him above some of those guys just based on what maybe you're able to think of long term, just because I do think the Bills have a really good supporting cast. Uh, Stefan Diggs, it's clear. Some of, I will say, some of Josh Allen's success was because of him, and some of it was because Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs are really good and got a bunch of separation, and any quarterback could have made some of those throws. Um, In terms of the ranking, though, I mean, just like, who would you want to start for your team this Sunday? Just no long-term or any of that kind of stuff. Just this next Sunday, who do you want starting? Yeah, I mean, I mean, Josh is, he's close to the top. There's definitely a few guys I take above him. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, uh, Russell Wilson. Um, outside of those three, it's hard to – I think those three are above Josh Allen. And then after that, you can kind of say, like, maybe you can make an argument for Josh Allen above anybody else. I mean, certainly the way guys like Drew Brees and Tom Brady have struggled at times – I think you could argue Josh Allen is playing better than them. Um, some of these young players, Justin Herbert, is making more mistakes than Josh Allen does. So, yeah, I mean, he's – I don't think you could get to five without saying Josh Allen's name in terms of how they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. He's definitely a top-five quarterback in the NFL. I maybe uh, undersold him a little bit last week, Eric. I, I thought maybe – you know, uh, it was like you mentioned the weapons that he has, just that team was playing so good, energized football. But, uh, you know, I was looking up, you know, the QBR stat uh, that ESPN does. Uh, they, If you rank the quarterbacks in the NFL without number one, Aaron Rodgers, he's got 40 touchdowns of four interceptions. Uh, number two, Patrick Mahomes, 36 touchdowns, five interceptions. And then number three is Josh Allen. Uh, he's got 30 touchdowns now and just nine interceptions. Uh, and that doesn't even count the stuff that he's doing with his legs. So uh, I agree with you. I think that he's right there. Um, I I'd probably rank him fourth too, uh, right after Russell Wilson. Um, the one thing that all of those guys have is a number one wide receiver, you know, Devonte Adams, uh, Tyreek Hill, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, uh, DK Metcalf. So, they're all benefiting from having an outstanding playmaker on the outside. And uh, Josh Allen, man, he was, uh, he was really good. And like I mentioned earlier, it was just interesting that it wasn't anything gimmicky or like trying to catch somebody in a weird situation. They just lined up and played. Yeah. No, they, they beat them. There's not much more to it than that. Yeah. 
Uh, Eric, uh, let's move on here and talk about, you know, one guy who could help this defense moving forward, and that's Von Miller. You know, do you think that he should try and push it and try and give it a go? Uh, on Monday, Vic Fangio said that he had not heard anything about Von trying to practice this week, but um, like I mentioned earlier in the show, it does seem like Von is progressing in that direction. Yeah, I view this a couple of different ways. Um, well, first I'll say I don't think he's going to play this year. Vic Fangio said he's not optimistic. Even if he practices this week, Phil, I think it'd be too early to play against the Chargers. So you really got one week. Um, if you view it from – you can view it three different kind of perspectives. One is the organizations. One is Vaughn's. One is the fan bases. From Vaughn's, I know he wants to play, but I think it's the smart thing long-term not to play, just in case you're not fully healthy. What's the – you know, maybe you get a sack. Maybe you maybe you don't in all likelihood you don't is it worth it to risk getting hurt again for uh for the broncos well said uh, the bills we're just really focused on uh, buffalo wow. here but wow. for the broncos um i think it also makes sense for him not to play just because again if he gets hurt it doesn't it doesn't help you moving into 2021 regardless of what you end up doing from a contract standpoint i will say for the fan base, that's where I maybe think they deserve to see him play this year, just because who, who knows what happens with this option. If they pick it up, if they decline it, if they ask Vaughn to adjust his contract, certainly there's, certainly there's uncertainty in terms of what's going to happen with Vaughn. And it would really be tragic is too strong, but it would just be a bummer if, Vaughn played this great career in Denver, sets the all-time franchise sack record, and then hurts himself ahead of this year, and then never plays again for the team. And there's no, he's not able to get that send-off or um, be recognized or, or give fans one final chance where they're like, I know this could be Vaughn's last game. Let's appreciate it. And so that, to me, is where it makes sense to play. But for every other reason, it doesn't. Yeah. And because the, like you mentioned, so uh, adequately there, certainly there's uncertainty. That was, that was brilliant. Uh, Thank you. I will say, I'll say because there's that uncertainty, I'm not sure if he would even get that send off. I think, you know, it could be his final game like that last game, but I'm not sure if like even the organization would go all in or, um, you know, some of the fans would even recognize, hey, this could be his final game. So uh, certainly we've seen players in the past, Floyd Little got carried off by fans on his shoulders. Um, Randy Gratishar, I think all the fans came to the game with signs and stuff. I don't think that would happen for Vaughn there. But in terms of him just wanting to play, I don't think that's a good idea. I mean, if something, uh, God forbid, happened to him in that final game that would really muddy the waters heading into the off season for him and for the Broncos. And I don't think the Broncos want him to play either. Just as, just so that, Hey, he's healthy heading into the off season. Let's worry about that contract stuff. Uh, maybe a month from now, two months from now, something like that. Give, give some people some time to breathe here and then refocus on what this contract situation is, because, you know, that could get a little bit, ugly there in my mind you know uh, um, the Broncos have a, an option on him 
and the amount of money that he's due next season might not necessarily line up with his level of play. And, you know, the Broncos obviously need to pay Justin Simmons this off season. There's some other big decisions where money's got to go elsewhere. And uh, those conversations I think could not be the most pleasant. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Well, and I think any, any leverage Vaughn would have gained, you know, I do think there's part of it as he was, you know, trying to come back from the injury that if he could have come back for four games and had four sacks, maybe that gives him some leverage and says, Hey, I don't need to adjust this contract because I'm still playing well. One game is not going to give you that. If you're Vaughn, you know, even unless you go out there and you have three sacks or something like that. But if he goes out there and has one sack, I don't think it's going to move the needle in terms of the Broncos or any other team, you know, weighing what they think he's able to accomplish uh, in 2021. So for that reason, it also, I just no longer makes a ton of sense to me for him to come back. Yeah, exactly. And the Vaughn that we all know, he's just going to say, I want to be out there with, for my teammates. If I could play, I'm going to play, you know, that's definitely his approach just from him internally, his team though, around him is probably saying, we don't want to don't, there's no reason to do this here. So, um, but his passion for the game, his passion for his teammates, you can't question that he definitely has been working hard to get back. And the fact that he's even out there walking around, no limp, with just regular shoes on is a, a testament how to how hard he's worked to get back to this point. And I'll just say from a fan's perspective, I hope that he's not done. Vaughn is everything that you want from a player like him. And the way that he's uh, handled everything in terms of just saying, I want to be a Bronco for life. I love it here in Denver. That just warms your heart as a Broncos fan. And you hope that uh, uh, the, business side of football doesn't interfere with with just the passion part of it yeah and to be clear for people who have not followed it super closely there are options outside of just picking up the option declining the option or, or having him take a pay cut you can extend Vaughn for say if you wanted to give him a new three-year deal you could then work that cap hit out over several years um, it'd be a way to ensure that he finishes his career in Denver without the optics of saying, Hey, we need to slash your pay for one year. And you know that the Broncos aren't afraid to ask a star player to readjust his contract. I mean, he did the John Elway did that to Peyton Manning. He'll certainly will do it to Von Miller too, uh, especially coming off of an injury. So you know that there's going to be um, some talks where Von wants what's best for him, but ultimately John has to do what's best for the organization. And that's his first and foremost priority, but there is going to be a lot of emotion when you're talking a play about a player like Vaughn. Yeah, no, for sure. So, uh, and Eric, uh, speaking of John Elway there, Vic Fangio was asked on Monday, how often does he talk with John? Have they talked about what they want to see in the future? Have they talked about the future together? And here's what uh, Vic had to say. Yeah, John and I talk often, and um, I believe we're all on the same page there, and I see no issues there. Eric, uh, kind of a, a, a short answer there from uh, Vic, but uh, gave you everything you needed to know. Yeah, they talk about it, and he doesn't see any issues moving forward there. Yeah, and, you know, 
part of me says, well, what else is he going to say in that situation? That's kind of like you mentioned before, coach speak. But I do think that I agree based on what we've seen in terms of the types of players that John has drafted here in the last couple of years and the type of system that Vic wants to run, they fit. You know, Michael Ojemudia has struggled at times, but he's the type of player that fits a Vic Fangio system. Bryce Callahan is a type of player that fits his system. Um, Shelby Harris, you know, they find found guys like Mike Purcell. So in that sense, I, I do think they're on the same page. Um, I think part of what that question was supposed to get at is, does Vic believe they're in the same uh, they're on the same page about Vic returning in 2021? Yeah. Um, I would be really surprised if that doesn't happen here, Phil. Kind of regardless of what happens these next two weeks, I, I know some people will point to a lot of blowout losses, a lot of, I think the Broncos have lost a handful of games by 25 points or something like that. I don't recall the exact number, but it's, it hasn't been pretty. It's been worse at times than it has in the previous regime. Um, Vic has, I believe 12 wins to his name through his first two seasons. So that's got to improve. And I think next year, definitely there'll be pressure to, for the team to perform. Um, but I think just based on how many young players there are, how they've been able to fight against some of these teams that they've showed improvement against a team like the Chiefs, for example, um, that there, it makes sense to give Vic more time, um, to give Drew more time, to give Pat Shermer more time. I mean, this team has just not had the continuity that you need, I think, to be completely successful. And so uh, I think and I'm hopeful that that continues into 2021. Eric, whenever we post anything on Twitter, on YouTube, a half of the comments are blow this whole thing up. They just, people are just lose it after the games where they just say, well, the, the uh, Pat Shermer's got to go. John Elway's got to go. Vic Fangio's got to go. Drew Locke's got to go. They, they, everybody's got to go. And they want uh, you to go sometimes. Yes. Uh, clearly, Phil Milani, get out of here. Um, Seriously, there's some people who do think that. <laughs> but uh, Eric, that's just the wrong approach, in my opinion. I don't think that you can look at what happened, like, say, on Saturday and say, this team is, you know, going in the wrong direction. This team is a disaster. I, I just don't see that. When I look at this roster in as a whole, when everybody's healthy, there's not a ton of weaknesses here. You know, where, where you're like, they really need to address this position. There's a really a big void here. Certainly there's areas where you can improve, but when this roster is healthy, you know, there, there are a lot, there's a lot of talent on this roster. And I think that uh, this season has been a lot like we maybe thought it would be and that they've taken the ride of ups and downs with Drew. You know, we knew that if Drew plays well, they're going to do well. If he doesn't play well, they're not going to do well. And they've gone on that roller coaster this year. And you want some of these ups and downs to count for something. You want them to build towards something. You want to say, hey, uh, you know, Drew and Pat are working better together. They're getting more comfortable with each other, you know, and Shermer, uh, Shermer and uh, Shula. You know, you want that, those pains to count for something and know that, hey, heading into next year, 
they're going to be already on the same page and they're just going to build off of that. You know, I think that Elway has done a great job in finding talent where maybe other teams hadn't seen the possibilities. Philip Lindsay coming in undrafted, a same Bassey undrafted, uh, finding a guy like Tim Patrick, who's now, you know, a very good wide receiver in this league. You know, he's done a great job there. Garrett Bowles has turned around. You know, we saw what Noah Fant was able to do the other day. You know, Dalton Reisner has been good. There, there's a lot of good going on here. And I, you, I think you hit the nail on the head when you just said continuity. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, but they've got to stick this thing through, in my opinion. This has been a weird year with the COVID and everything. And that's, that's how coaches like to call it. They call it the COVID. That's not how I would say it, but hey, with the COVID, you listen to enough coaches and eventually I start talking like that. But Eric, I just think that they got to stick through this thing and build upon it. And hopefully there's better luck with injuries next year. And some of these talented players that the Broncos have acquired the last couple of years, they can continue to grow and stay on the field. Yeah. And, you know, I think any GM goes through waves that's there long enough and um, I'm trying to think of it might have been our friend Mike Sando who did a GM ranking this past week for the athletic based on you know win percentage it, how many pro bowlers they've drafted how many Super Bowls they've won how many Super Bowls they've been to and John Elway was kind of right in the middle of guys who have been there from like the five to ten year mark and to me that you know that makes sense because Obviously, the Broncos were as successful as they've ever been during the stretch when they had Peyton Manning. And then the last few years, they've struggled. Um, but to suggest that he's at the bottom of that list, is, it just doesn't doesn't make sense, doesn't add up from a numbers perspective. Do you think he's shown that he can build a team and deserves uh, some patience there? And I think the encouraging thing is, is those undrafted players are grateful. I can appreciate a role player like an Isang Bassi or a Tim Patrick, um, even Philip Lindsay. To me, that's what those guys are. They're role players. And you need those guys. You need a, a Shelby Harris, a, a Mike Purcell. Um, those are all important pieces. But the fact that the Broncos, at least it appears to be, that they've started to hit on some of these early round draft picks again, which they, you know, they really didn't do for much of John Elway's early tenure outside of Von Miller. Um, you know, you look at a guy like a Sylvester Williams, a Bradley Roby, a Shane Ray. There was Paxton Lynch in 2016. Garrett Bowles, of course, in 2017 took a long time to develop. That takes a toll on your roster. And I think you look at 2018, you've got Bradley Chubb, you've got Cortland Sutton, who are two really good players there at the top of that draft. 2019, like you mentioned, Noah Fant looks impressive. Dalton Reisner is a starter. Um, and then this year, you've got more guys and Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler, Lloyd Cushenberry, Michael Ojemudia, Alberto, all those guys look like they can be consistent contributors. And so when you have a young roster, you've got to give it a little bit of time, but I, I do think the the curve is starting to go up. You know, you, you're, you're moving in the right direction. So we've heard John talk about it again and again at these end of season press conferences, when you switch coaches, when you squit, when you switch schemes, some of these draft picks that you've made with a certain idea in mind or a certain scheme in mind, those guys no longer fit. And so finally, you, you hope at least they've got the same defense for the last couple of years. You'd like to stay in the same offense. Don't keep changing it so that the job of picking players becomes more difficult too. And there's a reason why in the NFL, a lot of times head coach 
is attached to quarterback. The, uh, that happens all the time where the success ultimately comes down to how well the quarterback has played. And, you know, I think that it's clear that the jury is definitely still out on how good Drew Locke can be. Can he be a quarterback who definitely wins you a lot of games in the league? Yes. Is he going to become like a, a Herbert or, you know, one of those elite, uh, not Herbert, uh, Josh Allen. Can he get to that level eventually? I think that jury is still out. We've got to see, we got to give it more time. We got to see what happens here, but I certainly understand the losing. Eric, it's frustrating, you know, four consecutive losing seasons. It's the first time that's happened since the 60s. You know, nobody remembers that time really. Certainly nobody listening to this podcast, I would assume. If you remember those, if you remember those 60s teams, you were there, you lived it. Please leave a voicemail because we'd love to hear from you. But I, I mean, I get that. The thing that's frustrating to me is just stop commenting, fire this guy, fire that guy, fire this. I can't handle those comments anymore because I, I, it just is nonsensical to me. Like if you have an actual t- point where you're like, this specific thing is bothering me and this needs to change specifically, I like to hear those kind of comments, not just, oh, they lost to the Bills, fire this guy. That, that's not going to do anything. That's fair. I, I would say to the fan base, I understand, again, like you said, understand why you're frustrated. And, and I think fans, part of being a fan and, and paying for the product, whether it's season tickets or gear or whatever, is you get to be a little of course, uh, ridiculous at times. And you can say stuff, you know, the same way that you and I get about our respective college teams, or you might get about the, the Denver haircut. Nuggets. Um, you know, I think people, they feel passionately. And, and that's a good thing. I think, my bigger concern would be if people stopped caring, you know, that to me, that's the um, thing you don't want to happen. I will say one thing with Drew, just one final point on this bills game. Um, I don't fault Drew for that loss. I, I think he was put in a near impossible situation where the bills were scoring on every single drive. And it was basically put up 45 points or you're going to lose this game. And obviously he didn't do that. And he didn't play great in this, in the third quarter, particularly um, he followed up the strip sack with two, three and outs. But this was not a game that even if he threw four touchdowns like he did a week ago, that the Broncos were probably going to win just based on how the defense played. And so to me, when you're putting a young quarterback in a spot where he feels like he has to go score a touchdown on every, on every drive, you're not, uh, you're not going to be successful. I mean, I wouldn't call that a near impossible situation. I mean, after the strip sack, they scored then, touchdowns then, on almost every drive of the first half. I mean, they were yeah, they were down twenty eight. Well. I, I were wouldn't down say that I blamed him. when they got the ball back. Yes, I would not say. Oh, this one was on Drew Locke. He once again took a lot of That's what the defense was giving him. They were able to, uh, you know, uh, he, he didn't make a huge mistake in terms of throwing a big interception. Although a couple of times it probably should have been an interception, but uh, the strip sack to me killed killed the momentum, and then to not be able to answer that and just have it come back as a couple of three and outs there, the game was over at that point. So an impossible situation is what happened when they don't have a quarterback out there and you're asking the defense to win the the game by itself against the saints. That's impossible. This you're going to face some games where, Hey, the other team has a really good offense. We need to keep up with them. 
And we've talked about that, Eric, where that's not a good matchup for this team. This team does much better when it's another strong defense versus the Broncos defense. Those are better matchups. When the other team has a really good offense, but not as great defense, the Broncos struggle in those games. And that's because you got to score and keep pace. And, you know, you think back to those really good Peyton Manning Colts teams, those really good Tom Brady uh, Patriots teams, those teams scored every time they had the ball. And so in order to beat those guys, you got to keep, keep pace with them. So uh, Eric, with that, let's get to our final topic here on this Monday, the jets pulled off a major upset against uh, the Rams. They were in position to have a potentially a winless season and take the number one pick and be able to get Trevor Lawrence, the once in a generation type of quarterback coming out of Clemson in the number one media market in the country, Eric, a Jets fan base that's starving for a excitement and, and uh, a quarterback that they could really get behind. Although I think Sam Donald's pretty good, but anyway, uh, they were in position to do that. And yesterday it slipped through their fingers. And now Jacksonville is in that number one spot they're in the driving, in the driver's seat with these last two games here. And Jets fans all across the country, why did this have to happen? Why did we have to win this game? My question to you, Eric, is from the NFL's perspective, you never want a fan base upset about a win. You obviously understand that because they, they felt like, okay, we'll go win this this year, but at least it'll lead to something. Now, they might go one in 15 and not have that reward at the end. So my question to you is, should the NFL think about adopting a lottery type system like the NBA? Uh, no, the NFL is uh, smarter. It's a more fun league to watch than the NBA. Than the NBA. Um, I think in part because when you're really bad, you get the best players and that ensures parity, you know, even in the lottery system, Phil, if you finish last, you still get the most chances. You get the most ping pong balls or however they do it these days. Um, I think it's better for the league and for fan bases. If a team like, like last year, Cincinnati, I think it's good for the sport. If Cincinnati knows toward the end of the year, all off season, that Joe Burrow is going to be their guy, that he's going to be available if they want him. And, um, you know, maybe there's more interest if you have a lottery on one night when you pull those numbers. But, you know, otherwise for a team like Cincinnati, you might be thinking, gosh, we've got a, a one in whatever chance of getting Joe Burrow. Otherwise, we're going to be just as good or just as bad next year. Whereas when you have this sort of system, you know, if you get the first pick or you get the second pick or whatever it might be, you're going to get a player that can instantly change your franchise and can instantly turn things around. Bengals have been infinitely more competitive, certainly when Burrow was out there. Um, and I think part of the reason that the Jets Jaguars situation is so interesting this year is because there's one guy, right? It's Trevor Lawrence. And then there's everybody else in other years. It's Josh Allen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Josh Rosen, where you don't know which guy should be ranked first. It's uh, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf, where you don't know who should be the consensus number one guy. I think I read something this morning that said the last time this sort of situation has really happened was with Troy Aikman way back in the eighties, where it was just clear that there was one quarterback that should be the guy over anybody else. And so to me, the, the situation is so rare that it's not worth 
kind of changing the system just for, just for one situation. And I, I do like the fact that um, it's based on strength of victory. It's based, based on strength of record. Um, you know, I don't think clearly nobody's trying to lose. Um, if you're a player and a coach, you know, a GM can certainly make some decisions, but yeah, to me, to me, it's fine as is. And I kind of like that, you know, you finish last, you get the, you get the best guy. I, I, I think you made a lot of really smart points there, Eric. One is that, thank you. I know. Uh, let's make note of this because it might be the first time it's ever happened. <laughs> uh, but no, in all honesty, I think you made a couple of good points because one, it is Trevor Lawrence. These kind of situations don't come up all that often. Okay. Where, where it's a, a clear cut guy. This is like an Andrew Luck, uh, a Troy Aikman, a John Elway, where this guy is obviously the number one pick. Uh, nobody was really that, thinking RG3 was going to be ahead of there, Andrew Luck. There were, I mean, there were people that were saying, should he be? You know, mm. I, I think Luck was probably the favorite all along. But I mean, think back to two years ago. Sorry to cut you off there, but Kyler Murray, I mean, nobody would have thought that Arizona had the number one pick that they would have taken him yes. when the process no, started. So. It's very rare that something like this happens. Um, the other thing that's rare about this year is that you're talking about winless. Like there's not, it's not often that a team goes completely winless an entire season. And that's the only way they're going to get the number one overall pick. That's sort of a, an interesting situation just because the Jets and Jacksonville have really had difficult seasons this year. Um, the other thing is that the players are still trying to win. I think you would have a serious problem if the players and the product that was, uh, you know, running out there on the field, if they were trying to throw games, that would be a serious issue. But football, unlike maybe some other sports, it's really difficult to ask somebody to go out there, take the beating that happens, knowing that you only have 16 opportunities to do it, knowing that you're putting film out there for other teams to see about you knowing that you're playing for your careers and that they could end any given Sunday. It's impossible to ask a player to go out there and lose. They just won't do it. You know, coaches won't coach that way. Players won't play that way. And that's why this system works in my opinion. You know, it, it, it works because the, the product, the players are still trying, the coaches are still trying um, even though the fan base necessarily doesn't want that so uh, i think it does work and i think that the other thing is there's just the 16 games like i just mentioned in basketball the 82 games it it, it you just you're out of it with like three months to go sometimes longer than that and in the nfl rarely does that happen some of these things it was like a perfect storm this year where all of this sort of happened and that you've got this situation so i don't think them the nfl has anything to worry about in a lot of these situations, the NFL is like the leader in this, in, in categories, you know, Hey, how did the NFL handle this? That's how we as NHL are going to do it. Or, you know, a lot of things, the NFL is the leader, the example setter and uh, other leagues look at the NFL. This situation I think was just sort of a perfect storm. Yeah. And two more points. Maybe you think Jets fans are upset about winning one game. If they were to somehow end up with the fifth pick via the lottery, they'd be really upset. And exactly. The other thing is, is that the NBA uh, lottery system creates a lot of conspiracy theories exactly. when teams win the first overall pick, what Cleveland won it a couple times in a few years when LeBron was still there. 
Eric, there was a player called Patrick Ewing. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him. Um, I have. Way before your time, for sure. Right. But there was a lot of people who thought he coached that, that... you at Georgetown. <laughs> Played with you, rather. Now the coaching. Now the coach, yeah. Yeah. I'd be young if he coached me. That's true. Yeah. But a lot of people thought that was set up to help get him to New York. Uh, and yes, you're right. People would be saying if the Jets won the lottery, oh, they just want to get Trevor Lawrence to New York. Exactly. You know, something like that. So there's always okay. something going on. Yeah. Eric, with that, let's get to uh, our true final segment. That's where we hear from NZ Nation. That's when they rise up and tell us what's really going on. Eric, uh, let's start with uh, let's start with emails. How does that sound? Normally, we go to voicemails first. Uh, first of all, I think maybe it's time to uh, start with some emails. Eric, uh, let's see here. Uh, the first one I want to get to is Bill. Bill uh, sent in a couple of emails here. Uh, the first one, he says that uh, Justin Simmons should be considered for Defensive Player of the Year. Okay, I'm not, I'm not sure how I feel about that. He thinks that Big Fangio should be considered for Coach of the Year. And then he said uh, another email, which I thought was uh, pretty interesting here. He says, I always listen to your show. I really enjoy it. Uh, he was wondering about the Broncos' uh, youth. He says, uh, you know, with so many significant players out and so many rookies playing, um, you know, are they hitting a little bit of a pro wall after uh, playing 14 games this year? Yeah, it's interesting. I'll start with the Justin and the Vic. Um, Justin's played well. Would hope he gets uh, a Pro Bowl nod. Would hope he gets all pro consideration, at least second team again. Defensive player of the year to me is a little bit of a stretch. You know, there are guys like Tyron Matthew that have more interceptions than him. If you're just looking at the safety position, there are guys like TJ Watt that have just blown the field away in sacks. Um Jamal Adams is a defensive back who's got nine and a half sacks, I think. I mean, they're, they're just some players across the league that are playing really, really well. Aaron Donald, of course. Yeah, and being on a winning team, of course, helps. I think until the Broncos get back to that point, you're not going to hear a lot of their players discussed in that conversation. Um, you know, I think even just to go back a little bit, in 2016 when Vaughn lost by one vote to Khalil Mack, I think if the Broncos make the playoffs that year instead of Khalil Mack, Vaughn – very likely wins that award. Um, and then in terms of Vic Fangio, I like what he's done. I, I am, this team could have easily gone, you know, I think after they started 0-3, people were saying, can you find two wins on the schedule? Can you find three wins on the schedule? And it's gotten a little tricky here of late. You know, you had the loss to the Saints because of no quarterbacks, but to, to be able to get to five wins and have a couple of uh, stretches there where you won three out of four, I mean, that, that to me shows this team is still playing hard. Hopefully that continues. Um, Phil, I'm a little bit like Vic here. I forget the last part of the question. The rookie wall. Do you think uh, so many young guys playing? Potentially, but the guys that are playing are guys like Jerry Judy and Lloyd Cushenberry who are used to playing 15 year, fifteen games a year because they go to colleges that go to the college football playoff. You know, Lloyd played 15 yes. games last year. I think he's probably okay. Yes, I agree. Uh, defensive player of the year, Xavier Howard, nine interceptions uh, for the Dolphins this season. He's having a tremendous year. And then I mentioned Aaron Donald. He lead, he actually leads the NFL with 12 and a half sacks. Trey Hendrickson uh, for New Orleans has 12 and a half sacks as well. And then TJ Watt with 12. So these guys uh, are definitely, in my opinion, more deserving. Although I, I agree, Justin Simmons has had a really great season. 
What do you think about Hendricks and no gloves playing with no gloves out there? Very interesting to me. Mm-hmm. That would scare Trey me. Hendrickson. Yeah. Who for does the, he for the Saints. Know who he plays for for the Got Saints. It. Yeah. Saw him sandwich he's the one who, he Mahomes. Blasted, uh, Mahomes. Yeah. Got he doesn't it. have any gloves on out there. Mm. You don't see that too often. Drew Locke wasn't wearing the sleeve against the Bills. Maybe that's the problem. What do you think happened about that? Uh, have to ask him. Very, very, very interesting uh, here. Um, here's another one uh, for you, Eric. This one is from his name on here is called NZ Nation Superfan. Uh, he says, tough loss on Saturday, but we'll move forward like we always do. That said, I have a couple of more important things to ask you guys. First of all, he thought that we were pretty feisty that last podcast, Eric, uh, which is true. We, we like to, to break. Yeah. yeah. He goes, have you ever thought of a no holds barred cage match to settle the score? I would never. You're my everything. We would never do that to each other. No, we like the feistiness. Uh, he goes, of course, though, all proceeds would go to charity. Okay. Now you got to think about it. Okay. Have, then uh, man has set it up. His, his second question is, uh, uh, would you guys ever consider an end of the year neutral zone award show? The awards could be called zonies. He mentioned that the trophies could be just busts of my head with perfect hair and all. I like where you're, I like where your head's at here. I like that. I like idea. that. I like that. He says, uh, that's all uh, I, I got this week. Keep doing what you do. Appreciate that. He had some great hashtags. Hashtag we miss Emily. Hello. Uh, hashtag we kid. Uh, we kind of don't miss Ben Swanson. Sure. Yep. Sure. Sure. And then uh, hashtag neutral zone nation for life. Love it. Love it. Love it. Has anybody gotten a neutral zone tattoo yet? I haven't seen it, Eric. Send it in, people. It. I like that zonies. We're going to have to consider that maybe yeah. after the season. Yeah, it could be nice. Some zonies. Uh, and then the last email we have here is from John Jornod, your best friend, Eric. Uh, he did say that uh, he gave a PS and he said that uh, I found Justin and the name is sort of close. Of course, a couple of weeks ago, I accidentally referred to John Jornod as Justin Strenod, the Broncos linebacker. It's a mistake that anybody could have made, Eric. Um, That's true. He says here, though, just saw the game was disappointed to say the least. Uh, we, the, he thought he could have had more if McManus was out there. A couple of missed extra points, a long, a long one. But he said the 48, the Bills hung on us, is really disappointing. Uh, he mentions Drudy's drop ball. Um, he wants to know specifically, though, his question was, there was a play during the Broncos' first drive when they broke the huddle and Lloyd Cushenberry padded his left, uh, the left side of his helmet and Reisner padded the right side of his helmet as they were approaching the line of scrimmage. So they were approaching the line of scrimmage. They each padded their respective sides of the helmet. He wants to know, why do you think they were doing that? I'll have to go back and look. I didn't notice that when I rewatched it. I'll have to uh, take a closer look. John's obviously watching more carefully than we are. Um, Um, I went back and watched. It was when they broke the huddle. So it was particularly interesting is they were approaching the line of scrimmage and they did that. It wasn't like they lined up, saw what the defense was doing, and then did that. They did it almost right when they broke the 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 line. The bro- broke the huddle and approached the line of scrimmage. So it's interesting. interesting. On that play, though, some linebackers looked like they were about to blitz right through that gap. Uh, Eric, I believe that gap uh, between the center and the guard is called the A gap. Yes, true. 
it looked like there was about to be a blitz up there. So maybe that's what they were uh, referring to there. And, you know, a lot of teams have calls um, that start with the letter L or the letter R that signify uh, which way the protection for the line is going to go. It's possible that one of those helmet slaps was the correct indication and one was a decoy and that they were trying to indicate which way the line was going to slide or which way they're going to block. But um, we're not supposed to know that because if we know that, then the defense probably knows that. That's true, Eric. We don't know exactly what they were referring to there. The, it was a play. It was third down. Drew Locke scrambled and got the first down running to the left side away from pressure. So, so it worked. It worked. Whatever they did, keep doing it. Yeah, you know? hit your helmet more. Uh, Eric, let's get to a voicemail. I'm going to save the best one for last, Eric. Uh, that's definitely the Lone Ranger. But first up here is Brandon from Iowa. Uh, first of all, shout out Eric and Phil for your coverage all year. It has been phenomenal and fantastic. I uh, look forward to it each and every week. Uh, as for the game, I was ecstatic to see we got Noah Fant more involved. As a Hawkeyes fan, there was five of them out there today, which was incredible. I was glad to see Noah finally get a study. As for the defense, they had a tough go of things today. I mean, that that's a really hard team to slow down their receivers are fast they can run brandon likes to be optimistic eric so i appreciate that and of course he's a big hawkeyes fan calling from iowa every single week what did you think of the game noah Fant had eight catches for 68 yards and a touchdown yeah career high in receptions for noah i thought it was good to get him involved um obviously you'd like a little bit more yardage in some of those situations but uh, he's continued to impress me, and I think he'll be a weapon next year, particularly when Cortland Sutton's back. Um, I was pleased to see him make that that touchdown catch because I don't think he makes that catch a year ago. Mm. Um, Noah had some some trouble at times making contested catches, I thought, um, both ones that were kind of over the shoulder deep and ones just in traffic. Um, really where he excelled as a rookie was just catching it in space on a crossing route and being able to run with it. So the fact that he had a guy on him who was holding him was able to kind of get away from him, make an extend and make that catch uh, really impressive. So I I think that's an encouraging sign. And if you have a guy like him and Albert O when he comes back in the red zone that can both make those type of plays, you'll be set up for success. And larger than that, I liked the scheme recognizing that they had an advantage with Fant in these different, you know, mismatches, keep going to him, keep using him. I liked, uh, I liked seeing that uh, definitely earlier in the game than later. So uh, not so much Fant after that. I need more Fant. Eric. Right. Yeah. And then uh, let's wrap up here with a, uh, with a call. Uh, I'm not sure if this is Broncos Batman secretly disguised as someone else, but uh, I'm not going to ruin it. Uh, Just without further ado, here is the voicemail. Hello, this is the Lone Ranger telling Phil Milani and Eric Galala. I had a message for Phil. Before I start, I have really enjoyed the Neutral Zone, followed it for years now, and I wanted to pass along a message to Phil. I noticed you've been giving Eric a hard time. A couple of weeks ago, he gave him a hard time the whole show. And this last show, gave him a hard time the first time. Like my trusty sidekick, Tonto, he is always there to help me out. But I just wanted to encourage Phil to give Eric 
an easier time. Anyway, don't want to uh, belabor the point too long, but I want to cheer the Broncos on for their game against the Bills this week. Anyway, go Broncos! And to sign off, I'm sure my trusty horse Silver won't mind. Hi-ho, Broncos away! Eric, I, I probably should have mentioned that he called in before the game. Uh, so he was very excited about what could happen with the game. Um, uh, personally, I love it. I love the characters that listen to the show and then say, I must call in as the Lone Ranger. Did you think it sounded a little like Bronco Batman? Um, maybe a little bit, but I think it's somebody different. I think we've got enough characters out there in neutral zone nation that it could be somebody else. And I hope that if you're just like, if you're somebody who doesn't call in, you don't have an alter ego, you don't have like a, a Bronco alias that you, you enjoy those types of calls. That's kind yes. of my hope. And so I do kind of wonder, did he mix us up? Because I think normally I'm the one that kind of gives you a hard time and am referred to as uh, snarky. You do get referred to as snarky a little bit. Yes. Yeah, I think it's because you have that picture of New York city behind you. Exactly. That's why. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, maybe they just thought we were particularly feisty the last episode. Why do we have to be like this to each other? It's the holidays, Eric. But yeah, brothers, brothers fight just like Shelby yeah. Harris and Bradley Chubb. <laughs> exactly, exactly. We don't know any other way. That's exactly. The that's the thing. And hopefully, that's why why you like to listen to the show. You know, this you're not going to get this anywhere else. I so. hope not. Eric, you got any shout outs here before we sign off? Oh, wow. Uh, shout out Les Manis. Yeah, Obviously, community, Zoom, clicking links. All Zoom important. master. Yeah. yeah. Zoom master. I do think the Broncos uh, hosted uh, a Make-A-Wish Zoom on Monday afternoon. Uh, a couple of players uh, hopped on there and got to spend some time with some Make-A-Wish kids. So still making an impact in the community, Eric, despite the COVID. That's right. That's important to do. Yeah, it is important. So shout out to those guys. Uh, Eric, uh, Pro Bowl voting comes out in just a little bit here. So we'll find out uh, who the Broncos Pro Bowlers, if there are any, any predictions? I won't make any predictions, Phil. I do yeah. think I, Justin Simmons is certainly deserving. Heard Vic Fangio say Justin Simmons, maybe Bradley Chubb, uh, Garrett Bowles was another name that he mentioned. So we'll have to find out. We'll uh, we'll have that all covered up coming up a little bit later on in the week. We'll be back on Thursday with a full breakdown of the Broncos game coming up. Just two games to go here for the Broncos. So uh, got got it's time to put it out there on film and then uh, go into the offseason with a little bit of momentum. So. Uh, we'll be back then. But until then, for Eric Dalala, I am Phil Milani. You've been listening to The Neutral, the Neutral Zone. Zone. This is Bronco Batman. And you're listening to 